Officers charged with murder after the fatal shooting of a woman having a mental health crisis inside her own home. settled in yet or what you're doing a, doing a lot of this <laughs> moving around i don't know what you, what you got going on here you're i'm testing left you're jittery thrown off today what's going on good okay hey dude so news broke this past week of three officers that were arrested out of san antonio texas a sergeant and two officers for murder less than 24 hours after being involved in a shooting which is pretty unheard of i don't think i've ever heard anything rapid that quick yeah. So hopefully that's not the new standard. We just watched a little snippet of what happened. Um, we got to talk about it. We got to, we wanted to come in here and talk about it, break it down a little bit. There were a lot of mistakes that were made. Can you tell everybody or what exactly do you, how'd this call kick off for these guys and what led them to even be there in the first place? Cause I know we sat and watched it. Yeah. We have both of us seen it a few times. I think it's really important to point out that, that, what we're sharing today is really only what we've seen and what's been released to the media and based on, on the chief's press release. And that the point of this podcast is to really try to help people and help cops be safer, better, make better, better decisions and and ultimately maybe prevent situations like this. So this happened, um, San Antonio police department. You had a Sergeant that had 14 years of experience, an officer that had two years of experience and another officer that had five years of experience. So it makes gamut of experience. Yeah. In 14 years of experience in San, San Antonio PD, yeah. oh, even five years at San Antonio Police Department, yeah. that's a lot of experience. Yeah, so I actually checked. They're, they have, I think, 2,600 officers or whatever. So, I mean, it's a big department. It's a big city. So, yeah, yeah you're going to get the experience for sure. Yeah. In this incident happened, uh, Melissa Perez, who's 46 years old, ultimately cut a fire alarm wire. Where that was, we don't really know. Uh, fire department responded. Ultimately, the police department responds out there. And one of those three officers we just spoke of tries to make contact with her. She responds and says, nope, and then takes off towards her apartment. Before she said that, she actually gave the officer her name, her date of birth, and her apartment. And then he tried to lead her over to his patrol car. And then she said, nope, and went running into the depart- uh, into her apartment things seem to evolve really quick. There was officers that were forming a team at the front door of the apartment. And then those three officers that we talked about, the sergeant and two officers went to the back door. And this is an apartment on the first floor. Um, And then two of the officers jumped the balcony and she was inside and grabbed like a glass candle, ended up throwing it. uh, And then has- I saw that. Yeah, which is, I mean- She's having a mental breakdown, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's what, what they said. So yeah. and, and knowing that, you could see in the demeanor based on the camera, it's, she's really yeah. erratic. Which is, a, I mean, someone behaving like that. And you can hear some of the things that she's saying. You know, she's like, no, you don't have a warrant. Like, you can't come in here. You could, you could clearly tell something is going on with her uh, mentally that's not, she's obviously not stable. Yeah, and this happened just after midnight. So it's almost 1 a.m. Yeah. So that's not, I mean, you could, the reference, the frame of mind, what's going on, that's pretty late. 
Yeah. So if I remember correctly, I, I mean, obviously I watched the video, but if you go back and watch it, there's several cops on scene on this one. I mean, there was yeah. probably no less than six to eight, maybe 10 cops that are there on scene when this kind of, this whole thing rapidly involved. And I really don't know how long she was inside the apartment. Obviously enough time for these cops to show up on scene to then try to coax her out of the house, which didn't go very well, but um, let's talk about it. So the officers are there. They're obviously trying to communicate with her. She's agitated. She's telling them she's not going to come out. Um, they, obviously, they're not queuing in on, and, and I don't know if like they've been to this house before. It doesn't say if they've had call, calls for service there. She's, they obviously are aware that she's got mental health issues. Um, I think the biggest issue where what started to fall apart is I think these cops felt like they had to go in and do something with her. Um, and I know they said that she was wanted for this vandalism, which they chalked it up to a felony vandalism. So like you said, she cut these wires, whatever, but it's like, I don't know, like, where do you draw the line of she's in there by herself. She's not a danger to anybody, not the public. She's not a danger to the officers um, at that given time until, you, until they started pushing the, and you even have the fire department limits. on scene with additional officers. So if there was an emergency where a fire alarm had to be pulled, there's resources there. Yeah. So I think cops just get sucked in that vortex of like, they're there on a call. And it's almost like that black and white scenario where it's like, we have a felony, we have to make the arrest, you know? And, and I, I feel like they, when you watch the footage, that's kind of, I feel like that's what they got kind of got sucked into. But where I think things went wrong is, they felt the pressure to go in there and get her. They ultimately made the decision to, to go in there and get her. And like that one cop starts ripping the screen off the window. I guess, assumingly, they're going to go through the window. I, I'm not sure why he would do that. Would but, you Would you do that? Is that something that you've done or have you? No, I mean, I think there's a time and a place for something like that. You know, like, and, and you would know in, in SWAT, like, maybe as a distraction, if a team's going to enter the front, you're going to maybe cause a distraction and break the window in the back and, you know, but for something like this, uh, it seemed to me, you know, the supervisor or whatever the officers on scene were like, you know, go, go, go. Yeah. Um, you know, trying Very to rushed. Yeah. Trying to get that cop inside that, that window. Um, no, for something like that, I, I most certainly would not I, use that tactic to get inside the house. I even wonder, and, and this is based off of the body camera and the press release. I wonder if they even created a plan because once you're in that patio and you're trying to open a window and trying to open a door, like what, what was their plan? What is their motive? Like, are they just going to flood that house quickly and just bum rush her? I think that's what they thought. Yeah. And actually there was, there was one cop on scene on that back balcony who had his taser out. So obviously they were thinking some level of less lethal, but you know, he then, he then quickly transitions from his taser to his gun and he actually fires into the side of the house. Uh, I think he was one of the last cops to actually shoot his gun, but uh, yeah, I don't think there was. And you know, there's, there is a supervisor on scene and, and you know, I'm a supervisor and, and knowing that if you're responsible for these team of officers, he was in the mix, right? Like he was up front. Oh, he was one of the three, the three one of the three arrested. Yeah. So, so when I take a step back and I look at that from that standpoint, you have all these cops that are kind of standing off in the backdrop, uh, kind of lingering around. Um, and then you have the sergeant up front with the two that end up shooting on that balcony. And I think he's in a bad spot because as the sergeant, like you're supposed to take charge of that, you know, mm -hmm. scenario. And you can't do that when you're up front. And I know there's that whole theory of, you know, lead from the front and, um, whatever, but I, there's a time and a place for that. It, 
as a sergeant, you really do have to take that 30,000 foot view and remove yourself from the front. That way you can see everything that's going on. Cause you know, think about it. If you're the supervisor and you're in charge of a team, right. Or, you know, in a SWAT team, uh, you're most certainly can't be the first one through the door because if you're the first one through the door, how can you see what anybody else is, is doing behind you? Right. right. And you have to be able to like make adjustments and, and move people around. So as a, as a, a sergeant on scene, I, I don't think he did that. I think he put himself like up front with everybody else. Um, and he wasn't able to make those adjustments as needed. You know, I would like to think if he was, you know, further back with the, with the experience that he does have, uh, you know, he could see things going bad and then be able to kind of pull those guys back and say, Hey, hold, hold on. Like, let's not rush this. Let's, you know, come up with some type of game plan. And I, unfortunately he was up front with them and it's yeah. really hard to do that when you're like in it. Um, you know, you get kind of sucked into the situation. It's hard to remove yourself from that. Yeah. I, I think it deteriorated quickly when, like what you said is as soon as they jumped that balcony, I mean, it's on the, on the ground floor, it's maybe a three foot. Yeah. It's not very high. No, no. As soon as they jump that you have a big glass window, a glass door, like you're, you're right there. It's open. She can see you. Yeah. They can see them. They're giving her command. She's not opening it. And then at one point she actually holds a hammer and then walks yeah. up and then like shatters that window from inside. And that's when that one officer initially fires the first round. Which miss, which missed her completely. Yeah. Missed her. Yeah. And then she steps back and it, it, I, I imagine she's probably thinking, I can't believe I was not shot and then moves back towards the window, which they're perceiving, which I could see as another threat with a hammer. You have an open window. And then that's when those three officers, well, the two officers and the sergeant open fire. Yeah. And they end up shooting her twice. Yeah. Uh, and then at they, least twice. Yeah. And then they force entry to provide medical aid, which, I, which, which I like the idea that they, they did that, but it deteriorated quickly when they jumped in there. Yeah. I just, you know, a lot of people are upset about this whole thing and, and uh, you know, we we're in law enforcement and this is a law enforcement podcast and this isn't to sit here and nitpick at them and, you know, you know, talk poorly about them or, or that agency. I'm sure it's a very credible, respectable agency. Um, but you, you can't help but like watch this video and learn. There's a lot of mistakes that were made. Um, you know, yeah, she's, she's armed with a hammer. What, what, you know, potential damage or serious bodily injury or death could she really create armed with a hammer inside of a, inside of a house? I know she swung through the window, but I mean, all it takes is to take two steps back from that window and you're, you're outside of that arm's reach of her, even with the yeah. window open. Yeah. Um, and what's even, you know, a little bit more, I guess, disturbing about it is, so after that first officer shoots, like you said, he misses, she goes back in the bedroom and it's really hard to tell on the body camera. You're, you're, we're going off of what the, the press release was on this that the chief gave is she comes back into the living room and they say she starts walking back towards the cops at that door, armed still with the hammer. And that's when they all three kind of open fire. Um, it's to me, it would be hard to justify someone armed with a blunt object inside of a dwelling being posing a danger to you or your partner's you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. inside of a house, she, she, you know, unless she opened that door and advanced at them with that hammer, I guess you have a different uh, story on your hand, but she didn't. And so I think that's where people are upset is, is they see a group of cops open fire on this lady who's having a mental health issue breakdown inside of her own home armed with only a hammer. Yeah. 
I think that's the problem here. And that's the, you know, that's the narrative that, that this reads. And well, that's what, that's what we're looking it's at. what it is. Yeah. It, I mean, it, there's no twisting that. No. And, and chief, the chief McManus, that's the chief of the Antonio uh, police department. He even said that they created those, the two officers and the sergeant created their own exigent And he's not wrong. He's, he's not, not wrong. wrong. Right. He's totally right. And when you're in that small balcony section, you, your mobility to get out quickly, you cannot get out quickly. And I, that's the part I think where he's talking about the exigent circumstances. Those officers cannot retreat quickly, but they put themselves in that position. Yeah. We did get a message this week that I thought was pretty cool. We talked about it. Uh, someone that uh, heard of our SIPA, right? Contain, identify, plan, and act. They liked it. They wanted to incorporate it actually into their academy. They spoke to their chief about it and uh, they, they want to incorporate it right into their training program, which is, which is really cool. And what that is, is we talk a lot about it and that's contain what you have, identify what crime do you have. And in their case, they have a, a vandalism. Um, you know, what plan do you have to deal with that issue? And then how are you going to execute that plan? Yeah. And, I, and that's why we say it like it, it is such a good idea to have some type of acronym or something to go by. Because if you can do that, and we say it in our classes that we teach, is it, it actually forces you to slow down and start thinking about things, right? If you start thinking, okay, containment, yep, we got that. It's an apartment. It's not hard to contain. Identify. What, what crimes do we have, guys? And, that, and brainstorm. Like, that's when the cops should be getting together and be like, hey, this is who I talked to. This is what, you know, what I found out through one of the witnesses or whatever. Or one of the firefighters told me this. And, and then you start collaborating with your partners and figuring out what exactly do we have um, and then from there, it's like, okay, this is a crime we have. I personally think a vandalism is a low level crime. What is going to be the plan to get her in custody with her type of behavior? I'm walking away from that 10 out of 10 times. I'm probably leaving. Um, I'm telling the troops, let's get out of here. You can always file a warrant request for somebody. If you really want somebody that bad, there's always other tactics to get somebody in custody, hang out in front of her apartment and wait for her to leave and scoop her up if you, if you really wanted her that bad. But I just don't think that happened here. I think they really rushed it for whatever reason. Um, These cases with mental health seem to be popping up more in, in the media where things are rushed in someone that's yeah, having totally. a mental health crisis. They may not be in the right frame of mind and they may be panicked and, and then you have people beating on doors, knocking on doors, giving commands. And it's, I, I could not imagine what that person is experiencing. Oh, I mean, that's just amplifying their, yeah. you know, if they're having that episode, that's just gotta be just amplifying at times a thousand, you know, yeah. to them. So yeah, you're not giving them that opportunity to, to, to calm down. Um, if you watch the, go back and we watch this video there, I mean, there's a moment where, you know, there's a, the cop standing behind the other cops and he actually starts shooting. He almost shoots one of his partners. Uh, somebody stepped in front of him. So there's a ton of crossfire going on. There's no communication. Uh, the supervisor, you know, he's, he starts shooting and you can tell by the look on his face in that body cam footage that I, I mean, he's the way he's controlling his gun. He's very limp wristed. Uh, there's just not a, a lot of control there, both mentally and physically for him. And then you have these other cops that are just kind of blindly shooting into this apartment and it's kind of wild. I mean, the dude with the taser, he I don't know if he drops it, holsters it, whatever, but he ends up coming out with his gun and he actually, I, I think that you watch like the shooting almost stops and then, and then he feels like he needs to shoot, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so he yeah. actually shoots 
into like the frame of the window, the window or, yeah. or yeah, it was like between the door and the window, as you guys see on the footage. And I, I just, it, that's hard to justify. It really is. You know, um, I, this whole, this whole thing is, it's hard to watch. It is. Um, a lot happened in it very fast. A lot of things could be done better. And I think that's the whole purpose of us discussing this incident. Yeah. And it's really based off of the body camera and the press release. Yeah, that's and, all we have to go off of right at this point. Yeah, and there'll, there'll be more that comes out. Yeah, and, and we'll update and follow that closely because this is going to be a, a really interesting case. Yeah, and you know, a lot of cops are watching this. You know, you guys are thinking, is is this going to be the new norm of, you know, getting into a shooting and, you know, are you going to be facing charges, you know, gosh, within, I mean, within 24 hours, these guys were arrested for murder. So I, I would say no to that. You know, I, I really don't think this is going to be the new norm. What I think is going to be the new norm, though, is if you're going to push the the envelope here and you guys are going to start rushing stuff and not yeah. identify and plan on what, what exactly do you have and, and come up with some type of game plan to execute, to get this person into custody and you start rushing stuff the way that cops do. I think we're going to find more and more cops that are going to start facing pretty serious consequences for their actions. Um, you know, and it, right, wrong or indifferent, you don't have to agree with it. Um, it's, well, it's, it's, going. it's coming. And so, yeah. And you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff starts here in California, right? Like we did an episode on it with our new yeah. use of force law. And you know, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, that'll never happen where we live. Well, this happened in Texas, which is a very conservative state. Right. And these cops were arrested within 24 hours in Texas. So it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Um, you know, police chiefs and sheriffs and, and political figures, uh, they're getting pushback from their communities and people want to know why cops are behaving this way. And look, it comes down to a lack of training and, you know, just cops being able to have the wherewithal to like take a step back and just relax. Like unless something is actively happening, happening where there's like active stimulus, you know, IE active shooter or somebody's life is in danger right now. I think Scott Savage always says it best. Like he's like, do you need to be there right now? And if the answer is no, then, then the yeah. answer is no. So take it, take a step back. Um, you know, you might deal with something a hundred times, but a hundred, the hundred and one time that you deal with something very similar to this case, how often do cops handle mental health calls every day, multiple yeah, times oh a yeah, day. Yeah. And I think in our brains, it's like, yeah, I've done this a, a thousand times. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go in there. This lady's kind of acting out. We're just going to grab the hammer from her or grab, grab her and take her into custody. And it just, that 101 time, it just didn't work out that way. Yeah. And unfortunately she, she lost her life as a result of that. So well, not, not to go off on a rant, but I feel like that's kind of, that is going to be the, the new norm. And the paradigm is shifting that way of the, I think the public wants us to slow down now. And this whole, like just being a cowboy running into things, it's, well, People think about, don't want that. Think about sidebar. Think about when you very first started your first mental health call. I remember mine super slow. It was a big deal. And as times changed, mental health became more, more of a, um, I, I don't know if pandemic's the right word, but officers go to more and more and more and it becomes kind of a, a standard call to go to. Yeah. And I think it's scaling back to where responding to those calls are becoming a big deal because they are a big deal. Yeah. And I think cops have a real hard time understanding that you can walk away from those. Um, you know, like we yeah. were just in New York and it's like, we, we talked about that in our class and, and you know, I mean, there were no fault to theirs. It's just their culture, but it's like, 
there were agencies there that were like, yeah, we would not, we wouldn't walk away from that. Like we're, we'll call a SWAT team out if we had to, right? A solo yeah. person barricaded in a house. Um, it just comes down to education. So what'd you think of the, uh, the chief gave his uh, press release? Um, I thought it was all right. You know, I mean, obviously he's reading from a piece of paper and look, I, and I understand I'm not, I'm not sitting here critiquing his press release, but I've seen really good ones and I've seen pretty, pretty bad ones. Um, I don't know. I feel like this one kind of falls a little bit in between, but he did make the comment about, you know, this doesn't fall in line with their training and, you know, the culture of their police department, uh, their policies and procedures. Um, what would you think about his remark for that? The shooting action, the shooting officers actions were not consistent with SAPD's policy and training. And they placed themselves in a situation where they used deadly force, which was not reasonable given all the circumstances that we now, as we now understand them. I struggled with it, to be honest. Uh, thought about it for a while. And, and, and the conclusion I came to is, no, that is your representation of your apartment. That is who is on the streets. Uh, yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and, and I completely disagree with the chief. And I think based on his statement from that, it, that underlines law enforcement because that is the representation. And, and what yeah. the general public sees is patrol officers. That's who they see, and uniformed officers in patrol cars. Those are generally where, I mean, that, that is where you start your career. You're new and you don't have that much experience. And I think that is not, that is a representation of your department, your patrol officers. That's where complaints come from. Your professionalism, your leadership, your management, your executive teams, they're professional, but, but they're not seen in the public's eye. They're not making those decisions. So I think that's why training is so important. And yeah. we talk about training constantly. So I, I did not like the chief's response to that. I, I did not like that. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you put it that way, it makes little sense. And, you know, he's trying to save face, right? He's trying to say, hey, look, the actions of these officers don't align with, with how we train in our policies and procedures. But man, I totally agree with you. Like if you actually think about that. Yeah, it's a terrible, I would it like is. to see. Like it is because yeah. yeah I'd like, to, I'd, I, I think the public is going to think they did a good, they, they, they made a decision based on what happened. I would like to have seen the chief say, we are going to analyze our policies, our training, and we're going to see where we can improve and how do we improve and how do we push that to our patrol officers? That's what I would like to see. Yeah. And you got to think too, at an agency that size, uh, you know, they're, they're busy. Like they're, I mean, I don't know. I guess you would expect a little bit more out of them to, to have that wherewithal to not push that envelope and just, Hey guys, what are we doing here? Like, let's leave. Like, why are we even here right now? I don't know. So it's a little shocking to me. Um, but I do totally agree with you. I think him saying that is like, eh, well, this, I don't know. This it, whole thing, this whole, this is, it's why we're here talking about it. It's a brand new case. It's, it's breaking news. It's only been out for a couple of days. It just yeah. happened. Like you said, within 24 hours, two officers, three, a, three, well, two well, officers, two officers and a sergeant, and a sergeant yeah. were arrested for murder. Yeah. Uh, and they had warrants issued and they were taken into custody. Uh, so Wild. this, this is something that, we're going to continue to follow up on and, and keep providing updates and, and grab more things in the media. Cause Kyle, I think we, we have an obligation and, and I feel that we do as a, as a shots fire podcast to really provide training uh, to help officers. Yeah. And we'd put a lot of these uh, clips. We, we put a lot of officer involved shooting clips on our social media and, and, you know, we'll get some comments on there. They're like, Oh, you guys are biased just towards police. Right. And it's like, we're actually not. I mean, we're sitting here having a conversation about three cops that were arrested for murder on a, on an incident where they, they shot and killed a lady 
and we're sitting here telling, telling you guys, like, we don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. And, and there are changes that need to be made in our profession. And yeah, I mean, we're two dudes with a, with a podcast, like trying to get that message out, but two studly dudes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we don't. How could we forget that? Yeah, that's true. Um, I can't believe we're gonna hit the that. gym after this, right? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, before too. We're really three. We're really not. Um, <laughs> well, I think. I, yeah. We we try to provide up to date information on our podcast uh, and YouTube channel. So so make sure you subscribe to our shotsfirepodcast.org, um, so you can get the up to date information that we provide. Yeah, and before we end, uh, we obviously want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, TacOps. Head over to SWATConference.org. Get signed up for their classes, uh, conferences they have every year. We got the Nashville one coming up in a little over a month in Nashville. Yeah. So that, that's cool. End of August. And I noticed that you added the shield box uh, behind you. We did. So you guys head over to the shieldbox.com. Get all your law enforcement equipment needs. You, monthly subscription delivered right to your house. You guys can go on there. Choose what equipment you want. What do you want in your box? It's cool. So very easy and affordable to keep up to date with equipment so with that said um Stay interesting safe. case yeah an interesting case we'll follow it keep you guys updated on it but uh, that's where we're at right now a lot of digest from it i suggest if you haven't watched the full video uh watch it listen to the press conference and um the only thing you can do from it is learn right so don't make those same mistakes all right stay safe until the next time see you guys